Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. One can help but be positive. And Newton! The other can't help but be negative. Bleep you, you bleeping bleepity bleep. The only thing they seem to agree on is that they can barely agree on anything. Blah, blah, blah. I'm Andy Hart. I'm not happy about this. It's sports radio for the passionate fan. What's up, Nick? And grumpy dad in all of us. That is just so stupid. Fitzy and Hart. Yes, I've been listening, Andy. On Boston Sports Original. I like the way Andy Hart does it. Might have Nick just take over. W-E-E-I. All right, welcome into Fitzy and Hart. Fitzy not in place today. I'm Woo-hoo! Mark Ondero with Andy Hart. Andy, how are you? I'm tremendous. Fitzy's not here, so of course I'm tremendous. It's good to be with you. <laughs> um, big Fitzy fan, so this is an honor for me to sit in for Look Fitzy. Look at you. I've never done this before. Sucking up to the guy who's yeah, not here. Yeah. But um, we have a lot big to get shoes. to today. Yeah, it's a big shoe. Do you have some bad dated jokes to tell? No. Oh. No, uh, I, you got to do that if you're going to fill in for Fitzy. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I could think of something like that. Some eighties references, seventies references. More of a nineties reference guy. Yeah, well, that's way music. too modern. Way okay. too modern. So he he lives work. in the eighties. Eighties eighties mu- movies aren't going to happen. Okay, um, so we've upgraded. Eighties music, maybe, but I can get. We can do a little bit of nineties stuff. A little bit, but I, I I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't watch a lot of TV shows. So I, I Same. sometimes fall flat in those situations. But um, there's a lot to get to today. Yep, and, and not is, a lot of time to get to it. No, and it's going to fly by. But this is a big game for the Celtics coming up tonight. And when I think of this, and if you want, I'm going to just give an opening statement on this game. For me, Andy, this for me is like Sunday night football. You know, and I don't usually look at a a random regular season basketball game in that light. But for the Celtics today against the Knicks, an opponent that, I don't know if you call it a rival, but you call it a team that, hey, they've had their way with you at least like the last two games. Okay, and the last time you played them, it didn't go well. In fact, you were borderline embarrassed. So based on where you are and what you've done after the All-Star break and what the Knicks are doing, because if you remember the other night what they did in Miami, which was absolutely ridiculous, where they won their eighth straight game, and in the, the fashion they won that game is even bigger and more noteworthy. To me, this is a big game. 
And I know everybody that really wants to be the honk for the Celtics will tell me that every regular season game doesn't matter. And it's all about the playoffs. And I understand that. It is. But every now and then, a regular season game can matter, can tell me something. And whether it does or doesn't in the long run, this one for me is important. I can't wait. And I think they're going to respond. But this is a big game, and I think I will look at them a little differently if they come out and don't play well tonight and lose. So we're coming off the hockey show, yeah. where I'm assuming they were positive for the bulk of the time, because quite honestly, what's there to be negative about with the Bruins other than maybe some injuries that are kind of creeping into your uh, your narrative here for a team sure. that is cruising, the best on their way to becoming the best team regular season in the history of hockey, although we know how that can end when you get into the postseason. We, we lived the 07 Patriots, yep. the greatest football team of all time until they were a forgotten team, because if you don't win, in the end, it doesn't matter. And then there's the Boston Celtics. Their winter cohort at the Garden, where everybody was like, well, they're both really good. Let's see what happens when the, uh, the postseason comes. And now post-All-Star break, the Celtics have been scuffling, I'll say. And I think it comes, certainly it starts on some level with Tatum has been scuffling. And I know people joke about, oh, you know, the 55 points and the minutes in the All-Star game or the, the three-point contest hangover, which obviously is stupid. Um, but this is a big game. I mean, they're coming off not only the Knicks game, but... The, the horrific loss the other night. Like, you blow a 28-point lead? 28 points. I don't care that the modern NBA is about streaks and leads aren't safe and all that. A 28-point lead is a 28-point lead. That's a quarter of a way to 100 points that you have an advantage to the, over that team. And you blow that game. The second quarter. Yeah. Mid-second quarter. Ridiculous. And so that is, the way they're playing is concerning. And we've all had concerns all year long because of Joe Missoula. Because they have a new coach. So do the Bruins, although there's no reason to have concerns in that because the guy's got Midas touch, it seems like. He's, he'd been a head coach before right. in the NHL. And Joe Missoula's young, and we have you know the timeout thing. Even some of the comments the other night about uh, his fixation on three-pointers and the volume, just volume of three-pointers, volume. Okay, that's great. you got to hit some of them. And my biggest concern all along, because everybody brings up the injuries, my biggest concern all along is I, I think you can tell me blindly what the Celtics shoot three points? You give me their numbers from three-point land. I'll tell you, were they? did they blow the other team out? Mm-hmm. Were they in a dogfight? Did they lose? They have become sort of, that is the way they play. And when you look down and you had Tatum, I think he went 0 for 8, eight the other night. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a bad game. Like, that's going to be problematic for you. So, yeah, absolutely. In the, in the long run, are they, you know, the, the thank you, Bucks. you lose a game, so now you drop back and you're a half game ahead of the Celtics. Like, you're in the mix. You're going to be the number one seed or the number two seed in the East. You're expected to go at the bare minimum to the Eastern Conference Finals. You better start playing better, right? Because then cr- questions creep in. Bruins are going like this. They're Heismaning. Yeah. Any questions? Yeah. We're making additions at the, the trade deadline. We're adding to our depth. And guess what? We're playing great hockey. The Celtics? Doubt is creeping in. Okay. So... For me, I am less concerned with, and I saw people tweeting this after the game the other night about how, like, if they have to go to Milwaukee for a game seven, they're going to look back on this game, and they might do that. I am actually less concerned with going to Milwaukee in a game seven down the road than I am with having to potentially play the Miami Heat Mm -hmm. in a first round series. I don't want to do that. Let me ask you a question because I thought this thought crossed my mind, and maybe it's a little unfair because it was the other night and it was one game, a bad loss, but hideous loss. I'm going to ask it. Did the Celtics a little bit recently, since the All-Star break, feel a little Buffalo Bills-y to you? Oh. I, I'm just, I, I remember watching the Bills down the stretch. and You know, Josh Allen's out there and he's flicking the ball downfield. And it was kind of like, 
everybody they were sort of the darling going into the year, mm-hmm. and even the first half of the year, they were the one seed. They had some success in the playoffs. It felt like they were the next team up. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it was like you know, they're not really playing that well, and and Allen's throwing some interceptions, and they look a little cocky out there, like anything he does is going to work out. And I just, I don't know. I got that sense the other night from the Celtics, where it was like they feel like we're the next up, we're the best team. We've been the best team most of the year. We can do whatever we want, and we're going to be fine. And I, I don't know that loss of focus or that loss of attention to detail. Like I, it just that thought crossed my mind. That's I don't hate all I'm it. Gonna ask. I don't hate the comparison because the Bills are talented. Josh uh-huh, Allen's yeah. the best, second best player on the planet. Right? You got Patrick Mahomes, and then probably Josh Allen in line after with everything he can do. And I think people slept on the Brian Dable loss for them and coaching and the guy that helped create Josh Allen the producer, not the athlete, not the talent, but honed the talent into the success, right? And I thought late in the year you saw Josh Allen go down the old Josh Allen road. I can do whatever I want. I got the arm. I can chuck it down the field. We're just going to go deep. I thought they got away from what made them so good, becoming a favorite for the Super Bowl. And I think the Celtics comparison is apt with Jason Tatum. No one's going to question Jason Tatum's talent, right? He's a top five basketball player on the planet right now. The question that becomes is, Ime Udoka, we got past it. We don't need Ime. 21-5, and five, whatever the hell the start was, record-setting offense. Okay, maybe the defense took a half a step back, but the offense took a half a step forward, so we're still the better team. Now it's like, do you miss Ime? How's Joe Missoula doing? How's the coaching change doing? And I don't want to put this all on him, because mm. I think that would probably be unfair and, and a little bit disrespectful, but... I think that's an apt comparison as talent-wise, I think the Celtics are loaded. I think they're locked and loaded. They should be in the NBA Finals. I think they should win it all. I'm giving Phoenix a... I'd like to see how Phoenix develops with KD. Yeah. That's the finals I'm looking for. Yeah. I, I want to see Celtics Suns because I want to see KD come together in Phoenix and bring that team to the finals. Sure. But I think there's absolutely questions. And the Tatum question. Now, they also have a little bit of an issue, and I think Tatum is part of this. Like, it was quite clear from minute one of the All-Star game, he wanted the MVP, right? Like, and you can see the games when he's doing something. When he, I know it's become a critique. Last year, was it all NBA and all those points and different things and the minutes this year? Is it from him? Is there any difference with Jason Tatum? Because he, the other night, I don't know if you saw some of his post-game comments, just sort of, eh, it is what it is. I'm not angry. I'm not, it, it's another game in the NBA. I, I believe he said, we play too many games to yeah. get angry. Right. Which, eh, you, know, you like that? No. Doesn't sound like a competitor I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. You I know, and, and I know it's unfair to compare him necessarily to, the greatest competitor we've seen for two decades was Tom Brady. Sure. And the whole, you know, he wants to win at ping pong. If you're going to chug a beer, he's going to beat your ass chugging a beer. That kind of competitor doesn't say, Eh, we play too many games for me to get angry. No, they're embarrassed for they blow a 28-point lead, right? Yeah. And so I think those criticisms of Tatum, and I'm not saying Tatum's not great and whatever, but as Tatum goes, the Celtics go. And when a guy says something like that, eh, we play too many games for me to get angry. And I also think he just turns it on. I thought the Christmas Day game against the Bucks, mm-hmm. even though they didn't have Middleton, I thought it was clear that day he and the Celtics said, big red circle, we're putting on a show today. I don't think they do that every night. Right. And now maybe because the Knicks, what has happened recently, you lose to the Knicks, you have an embarrassing loss. Maybe this is a circled game, right? Maybe he circled it like you're saying Sunday night football. And that's good. But I don't love teams that live and live and play that way. Sure. Basketball. Especially a young team. If you had three rings, nothing, I mean, right, if you won, had three rings and want to tell me, you know what, 
talk to me later in the season. I've been there. I've done that. I know when to turn it on. Correct. But you're a young team, and I've, I've said this for weeks. A lot of people look at Philly, for example. Ah, they never win anything. Doc never wins. Embiid never wins. You know, they start pointing fingers. Chris Paul, what's he ever? The hell are you ever won? The hell is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown ever won? Like, I like them. They're young. I think they're going to win. But as a green teamer, quote unquote, a Celtics fan, be careful pointing at other teams and saying, quote unquote, they don't win. Neither do you. You haven't gotten over the hump. And I don't love the play to the level of our competition, pick our nights, pick our energy nights uh, mentality that may be in the narrative of the Celtics this year. I don't love it. With a few of the football references, I'll remind you or I'll tell everybody that we are going to talk to uh, Mike Giardi of the NFL Network at 1120. So we're looking forward to that. We'll talk about the combine, the Patriots, the draft, all the upcoming things on the NFL calendar. Um, Look, I'm not going to make too much of it. it. It's a big game for me. Maybe not for some other people. I think I'm going to learn something about the Celtics in this game. I think the way they play this game will will show us sort of how we'll see them in a game two in the NBA playoffs or in a game five. And obviously, I cherish when they get in a close game against a good team and how they execute down the stretch. I That's a thing to me. The way Jalen Brown shoots free throws down the stretch of big games. <laughs> Do they turn it over yep. in those situations? 19 times the other night. Yeah, and can and Jason Tatum, does he make the shot? Because everybody throws stats at me. You know, under four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Tatum has a higher free throw percentage than anybody. Whatever. When I go and look for the video of those things, I'm not finding it. When I try to think back to when he's made those shots, I don't remember. So I like to see close games, big moments, especially clock winding down buzzer beaters. What does he do? He's the best player. He's the most skilled offensive player. That's still my biggest question mark come playoff time. Now, like you, I think they're going to get there. I think it's a matter of when, not if, but they got to get there. And there's just a few unknowns. They haven't won anything, as we just discussed. And as our uh, my old friend from Patriots.com, John Rook. John uh, Rook. PC Friars. Yeah. Peanut butter and jam calls. Yep. Um, <laughs> used to say picking nits. Because, you know, you, you, you do radio on the Patriots for 20 years. Yeah. To find holes, to find problems, you're picking nits. You're, you're being, you're digging a little deeper, and that's what we're doing. The Celtics. Yeah, like, I don't want this to come off like Celtics suck. They got, they're the most overrated team in basketball. No. no, 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 they're really good. I think they're loaded. I think the dynamic double duo or whatever the hell you want to call it between Brown and Tatum, and then this evolution of Brogdon and White coming off the bench is unique. I think that is such a strength for this team moving forward. But they're not playing great right now. They're just not playing great basketball right now. And if you're going to be considered the elite of the elite, right? Vegas, they're going to win, right? They're the favorites. Vegas says they're going to win. Your coach is coaching the all-star team. He's got his full title. Doesn't say in All the things that they've developed into this year, well, when you don't play well, people are going to notice. People are going to say, huh, what's going on there? Is this, a, is this just an, what Tatum would tell you? Oh, it's 82 games. It's an aberration. And, you know, all-star, whatever. Or is it? Maybe there's a couple little warts you might want to put a little wart remover on before you get to the postseason. Somebody brought up the other day, they said, uh, does a championship team allow a 28-point comeback against a team that had lost four straight games? And I understand that. That thought actually crossed my mind. But then I think back to other championship teams, and I think of Miami Miracle, and then the Patriots the next week go out and lose, and then they go on to win the championship. So I'll even give them a pass for the 28-point blown lead debacle. That was really is amazing when you say it, though. 28 points. It is amazing. But... I don't know. 
ask me in 12 hours how this game goes coming off of that game, and I might think differently. It's, it, cause this I'm going to predict the Celtics win by 12 or more. I think that's – I'm going to take the Celtics. I think Tatum has circled this yes. and said, I'm putting on a show today. And even his – Big, what do you have, 35 the other night? Yeah. Started slow. Like, he has not played good basketball coming out of the All-Star break. I'm going to say he starts today shooting, like, 7 of 8 and yeah. just rolls and carries the team. I think they've circled this. Now, you could dig deeper and argue, is that good when they pick and choose when to circle games and how much they're putting into these games? But I think this is one of those days where they're going to they're gonna put on a show. Well, how about the Cavs game? What was he the, in the first quarter? He was awful. Then yep. he really dominated the second quarter. That up. was a big win. Give him credit for that win. That was a big win. He had the game winner in Philly. That was a big moment and shot for them. Yep. I need more of that. I need to see that. But this, this game with the Knicks having won eight in a row, I get it. It's the Cavs, the Knicks. When they play the Celtics, that's their Super Bowl. It's not like that for you. But this one, I think you can find a way to make that a big game for you. All right, we got to get a trending. When we get back, Mike Giardi is going to join us from the NFL Network. This is Fitzy and Hart. Mark Dundero in for Fitzy. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now on WEI and WEI.com. The Bruins continue their win streak at home at the Garden yesterday with a win over the New York Rangers. It was the first time the teams faced off with their new-look rosters after the trade deadline. Patrick Kane donned a Rangers jersey for the first time in Boston, and Tyler Bertuzzi played his first game as a Bruin, assisting on the first goal of the game. Coyle, Nosek, Bergeron, Pasternak were the Bruins that added goals in their 4-2 win. The win was the Bruins' 10th in a row. Up next for the Bees, they get a much-needed four-day break before they play Connor McDavid in the Oilers at home on Thursday night at 7.30. For the Celtics, they play tonight at 7.30 against the Knicks at the Garden. The Seas are hoping to bounce back from an upset loss to the Brooklyn Nets in which Mikhail Bridges scored 38 points to help the Nets overcome a 28-point deficit to stun the Boston Celtics 115-105 on Friday night. Today's the final day of the NFL Combine, and we have Patriots insider Mike Giardi joining us just after the break and immediately following our show. We send it out to Fort Myers where Joe Castiglione and Rob Bradford have the call for Red Sox spring training baseball. 1 p.m. first pitch against the Marlins here on the Shaw's and Star Market Red Sox radio network. Trending brought to you by Feldman Geospatial where they get it right from the ground up. I'm Bridget Pru, and that's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Fitzy and Hart on WEEI. Boston's Sports Original. All right, back here on Fitzy and Hart. Mark Dondero in for Fitzy with Andy Hart. We are now happy to be joined by Mike Giardi of the NFL Network on the Harbor One Hotline. Mike, Mark Dondero, and Andy Hart. Good to talk to you again, man. How are you? Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. I don't great. care for that tone, Mr. Giardi. Jeez, just because you were at the combine, you don't have to be cranky. So, Mike, we were going to just get into, I don't want to call it a report, but this uh, rumbling surfacing from, I guess, Dan Graziano of ESPN saying that the Patriots possibly and the Raiders could be interested, discussing, talking about some sort of trade involving Mac Jones to Vegas. Do you think that could be a realistic possibility in any way, shape, or form? Uh I tend to think no. I think that Josh McDaniels enjoyed his time with Mac Jones. I think he also um, has a chance to hit the reset button there. They kind of went in this year thinking maybe they could make some noise, and then it obviously Derek Carr didn't. It didn't work. Um, I think sort of the signals that I've been getting is it seems more like they're willing to uh, take a step back, if you will, and try to find the guy that's going to be the long term fit there as opposed to and and do that via the draft where you get the extra you know year for uh for the contract the rookie contract instead of having to you know trade for mac get one year of mac and then have to decide are we picking up that 50-year option does your view of mac jones change at all based on what you saw this weekend and, and the reason i ask that is we know he physically faces challenges keeping up with a herbert or mahomes and allen and then you see the combine, and there's this next crop of Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, even the UCLA kid threw the fastest ball at the con- like all these guys with measurables. Is he just swimming upstream in a, in a new world of quarterbacks? I mean, I think there's a little bit of that, but I feel like we've been in this place for a long time, Andy, where we we every year we go bananas over guys at the combine. I mean, Malik Willis last year, right? And remember the mm-hmm. buzz? He was going to be a top ten pick, maybe the first pick, and then people looked at the tape more and they're like, he's, he's all right. Maybe, maybe there's something there, but it's not that thing. I mean, Anthony Richardson clearly going to get drafted in the top 10. I'd be stunned if he doesn't. Right. Mm -hmm. He completed 53% of his passes last year. (laughs) So someone drafts him in the top 10, there's going to be a push to play him right away. Um, And I don't know that he's ready. You know, that it it just, I think we're getting into this place now where everybody thinks that he's dual threat, um, I mean, I'll give you another one. Justin Fields last year, right? There was about a three-game stretch where Justin Fields was doing ridiculous things, running the football, and it was like, oh, he's arrived. It's, I mean, oh man, the Jets should have picked him. It shouldn't have been Zach Wilson. The Forty ers should have picked him. It shouldn't have been uh, Trey Lance. And he had like seven games last year where he threw for less than 150 yards, and like ten games where he was under 200. Like you still have to be able to throw the ball in this league. So I, I don't know. I mean. I, 
I'm not, I'm not saying that th- those guys can improve because we've seen some guys make big leaps, but I just I like to I like a guy that can that has proven that he can throw the football, and I don't know that all these guys have proven that. I'd agree with that. We're talking to Mike Giardi of the NFL Network on the Harbor One Hotline. Mike, I got to ask you this: Do we? I don't know. Do we know? what Bill Belichick and his staff, or I guess specifically Bill Belichick, really truly thinks about Mac Jones. And I'm asking that because I feel like that would determine sort of uh, how they go forward and their blueprint for going forward. Do we really know how the head coach feels about Mac Jones and his true potential? We know that the feelings about Mac Jones changed pretty dramatically from uh, the spring of last year to whatever it was, January, February of this year, right? Uh, you know, he, he's an NFL quarterback, whatever the quote was. He's proven he can play in the NFL versus just go back to the, I mean, the absolute gushing. I don't know that I've heard him gush about a young player on his own team like that. He, 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 he uh, generally will sort of uh, fill up other guys on other teams, but not his own guys. Uh, he was effusive in his praise of Mac. Every chance he got, like over the top, we're like, whoa, what is – wait, what is happening, you know? And then, obviously, this year wasn't successful. Mac was not happy. Uh, he, he was not shy necessarily about expressing his displeasure about that. And uh, I think Bill holds a grudge, <laughs> is what I think. Oh, he does. So I know. It's more, about, it's more about how he acted than his play on the field, a little bit of both, I guess? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a good year. No. So, you know, if he was grumpy and... and challenging them at various points about what they were doing and was going out and throwing for 275, two touchdowns and no picks and completing 60% of his passes. They were, they were a playoff team. Okay. You know, maybe I should get past some of that stuff, but they were eight and nine. Um, you could argue Bailey's happy had, if not the best game, any quarterback for the Patriots played one of the better ones. Uh, so, you know, I mean, there's, there's definitely uh, a bridge that they have to cross, those two guys. And and I think if you're a Patriots fan, I think you kind of hope that they can get it because it, it did look promising after year one, you know, and then we know what happened in year two with the 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 poor design and, I don't, you know, whatever else was going on there, poor play calling, poor everything. So, Mike, I'm working with the um, assumption that Mac Jones is the quarterback. He's not going to be traded. I didn't really think I needed the athletic to report that quote unquote. He's likely to be the quarterback. I, I thought Mac Jones was the quarterback. Um, so the next step in the process to fixing or finding out how good he is after getting Billy O'Brien in place is some of the issues around him, the offensive line, right? The the wide receiver position, a go to target. Coming out of the combine, whatever you ascertained, both in the pro level from people being there or just the the talent that's going to be available. How do you think the Patriots are going to approach the process of what I believe are their three biggest needs, cornerback, wide receiver, and tackle in some form or fashion? Yeah, I think that they're in a position that's interesting at 14 where if there's this run on quarterbacks and they don't want to get involved in that run on quarterbacks, to your point, then there's a good chance that maybe the best or second best tackle is there. Maybe the, the, the second best corner is there. And maybe the best wide receiver is there because, again, at least coming into this process, we were told this, this wide receiver class doesn't measure up to the last two, that there's some talent there, but it, it's not on the same level as the Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, or even the Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave stuff from last year. Then we see um, 
JSN, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name yet, the kid from Ohio State, go absolutely nuts yesterday, didn't run the 40, but, you know, did everything else. Yep. Three cone is outrageous. The 20-yard split was outrageous, catches everything that's thrown to him, and you flash back to the tape two years ago when he was one of the most dominant players in college football, and I say to myself, well, you know, I, I, he's, he doesn't appear like he's going to be a guy who's going to run 4-3-5 or even 4-4, four, four, and maybe that's part of why he didn't run at the combine, give himself a little bit more time to work out at the pro day. But he was an incredibly productive player for them two years ago before the hamstring kept him sidelined for much of last year. And I think he put on a, a clinic that maybe makes you think, hmm, maybe he's, maybe he's closer to the top 10 than anyone really wanted us to believe. Um, and that's where you start to get in those conversations. Are you willing to sacrifice a future pick or a pick later in the draft to move up a couple spots to the guy that you really want. And I think it's an, again, it's an important draft for them because they had that stretch where it was not so good. And then, you know, we we went and made great declarations about the draft two years ago, but that was in part because you thought Mac Jones was the quarterback of the future long-term. And now we have questions about whether he is that guy. So I think they need a handful of players. And I think it really depends on how aggressive do they want to be and how does that board fall? But, Again, the four quarterbacks likely going in the top 10 is beneficial for them if, again, they don't want one of those guys. Speaking of the board falling, though, free agency starts in a little over a week. We're going to have the negotiation mm-hmm. period next week, and then, boom, you need to spend your money, and obviously we know how quickly that can go in the first few hours. What decisions do you think they'll make there in terms of how they decide to play this? Because, obviously, if you sign an $80 million tackle, you're not taking a tackle at 14. But if you trade for DeAndre Hopkins, which that rumor continues to sort of percolate, maybe you're not taking a receiver early. How, how do you expect them to approach free agency and how that ties into the draft later? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't expect them to be massive spenders, but Ooh. I know, I know. Well, well, for instance, the tackle thing. Like, I know there's this push, like McGlinchey. McGlinchey, for three years the people in San Francisco wanted him run out of town. And then this year he has a good year. Oh, by the way, it just so happens to be in a, in a contract year mm. that all of a sudden he find his level of play uh, at this point, or did he get himself serious because he knew that there's a big contract looming? Those guys t- tend to worry me. Um, and I don't, I don't want to say head, they're not going to be involved. Cause look, I didn't think they were going to go bananas like they did. I thought they were going to spend some money a few years ago. I think they were going to spend whatever it was, $280 million guaranteed. So you, you never know with Bill and how he falls in love with players um, and, and what, he, what he's willing to do for those guys. But I feel like it's more about um, that they're going to try to find some value there and yeah. maybe not be as involved as people would like them to be on day one. Yeah, I'd like to get your take on a bigger picture sort of premise here, Mike. And I'm just thinking about kind of how the year played out this year with, you know, the Super Bowl participant, obviously, in the NFC was the Eagles, you know, right behind them, the 49ers, sort of loaded teams, you know, very stacked rosters, not elite quarterbacks necessarily, given your opinion or whatever your opinion is on Jalen Hurts. We can talk about that later, but... In the AFC, you had Burrow, you had obviously Mahomes, who won the Super Bowl with a team that wasn't, I guess, stacked. Very good, obviously, but you had the magic of Mahomes and all of that. So with I, with that being said, when I look at the Patriots, I think if you don't have an elite quarterback, which I guess none of us think Mac Jones is elite right now, nope. um, why would you not either A, try to load up, assuming we're going for a Super Bowl championship, or B, blow it up? 
I'm just thinking if they want to win a Super Bowl, would blowing up the whole roster be on the table sooner rather than later? Or should it be if you are out on Mac Jones and don't think he can be special? They have no desire to blow it up like ever. So then uh, what? Not as, long as, not as long as this coach and this ownership is here, and um, we know the ownership isn't going anywhere, and mm. the coach is 70, 71. So, there, you know, there is a – there is a there is an end at some point for for Bill in terms of coaching, but I don't think that's coming anytime soon either. So they're not they don't operate that way. I mean, if they think about it this way, the best year to to have done that was the year that Tom walked away. Yep. And and ego got involved. You know, you know he's going to go. We don't want to show that we can't do it without him. Um, they should have played Jared Stidham and whatever else and just tried to see. But nope, they had to go do the Cam Newton thing, and um, it served them no purpose whatsoever. So does that put the Patriots at risk for just being mired in mediocrity for the next few years oh, yeah. and never really actually contending for anything? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's – I'm just telling you, they don't have – they have zero appetite, and they have 20-plus years, granted, with most of that with Tom Brady, where they feel like their operation – allows them to be competitive and gives them a chance every single year. And that's what they want to be. They want to be in the mix every single year. And we can argue about what level the mix is, um, but that's what they, that's how they view it. They, and you know what they didn't, I'll tell you this. They didn't like at the end of the year, those last couple home games, fair amount of no shows. Mm -hmm. They don't like that. So they're not, they're they're not going to burn it down. Because if they burn it down, they're going to have a lot more no-shows. That's just not – I just – I don't – it would take a, a dramatic turn for them to believe that that's the way they should approach their business. Especially when they're already sending season ticket holders letters promising they're going to be all in and we're raising your ticket prices and all those things that go into this business. Speaking of the business, what was your reaction to the NFLPA survey of 1,300 players rating all kinds of things for every team and the Patriots coming in, I guess, in the basically the bottom 25% of the league – um, in those grades, uh, uh, training rooms, strength and conditioning, facilities, all those things. What was your reaction to that? And what do you think the players uh, – do the players know that? Did we live in this dream that the Patriots were something they weren't for two decades? I would say that the – having been to so many other facilities now over the last four or five years, that their facility aged out pretty quickly. I mean, it's it's relatively new, 20 years, right? Um and to their credit, they've done some things here, and they're doing more. The weight room will be is part of this whole reconstruction that they're doing. Um, so they've attempted to do it uh, to a certain degree. But, yeah, I mean, as we go on here, the so much of this is about catering to the players, and the players aren't shy about making their voices heard about it. And I think it's a little bit different than it's been. You know, it used to be serve them up whatever you wanted to serve them up. You give them, hey, Bill Belichick back in the day doing uh, press conferences in the weight room, you know, standing on a bench, for God's sakes. Like, yep. I mean, you remember those days. Like, who cares? You know, like, that's, that. this is just the way it is. And now it's completely different. And I think it it does kind of put the onus on ownership to step up their game a little bit and and try to create a better um, a better facility for their players, a better better just environment for their players. Does this tie into Bill 
uh, raving about the Raiders, Taj Mahal in the summer when he was out there, or even Bill bringing up, you know, we're near the bottom of the league and cash spending. Is this Bill prodding ownership to maybe uh, invest more, over-invest in everything that goes into rebuilding these Patriots? Because they, I don't know if you saw, Patriots.com is doing a whole video series of building the Patriots. Maybe Bill's like, hey, we need to build everywhere, not just my roster. Yeah, I, I think you know and have been around Bill long enough to understand how his brain works to a certain degree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to a certain degree. And I would say absolutely there is a little bit of a needle there to poke and prod um Robert, Jonathan, et cetera, to you know, do what do what I ask. <laughs> Up, do do more. Do more for our players, do more for me, do more for the organization. Mike, before Which, we let you way, go. Is that, I mean, is is somewhat unfair i mean they not somewhat it's pretty unfair i think in that regards that you know they had built this franchise that was an absolute laughing stock and uh through their stewardship and then obviously the bill tom connection became one of the premier franchises in the national football League. yeah but you know the retort to that will be the word two words you just used Tom and Brady, that he covered up the fact that you didn't invest enough in the weight room, you didn't have the best facilities, whatever you think. There's a movie theater right there. Yeah, there is a movie theater. Mike Vrabel will tell you about the movie theater in Patriot Place and how that ties into (laughs) that. No, I just... And and then then he ended up in Kansas City, huh? Yeah, it's funny how that works. Don't bring up business when we're talking sports here. Just real quick, just one more football, I guess, coaching type of question, Mike. With, um, I'm just wondering... How much change Bill O'Brien could bring to this team and the offense, obviously, that needs the improvement. But I'm thinking about he's a coordinator. Now, we've seen coordinators have a big impact, whether you want to talk about Brian Dayball or even going way back, Wade Phillips going to Houston, turning around their defense 10, 12 years ago, whatever that was. But I don't know. It's just they need a turnaround. They're poised for a turnaround. Do you expect a big, massive turnaround with Bill O'Brien, or is it not going to be as explosive a turnaround as some of us might think or hope to see? I expect it to be competent. It wasn't competent last year. Yeah. It was it, look, it, it was a borderline laughing stock um, in the National Football League. You know, I, I tweeted out some of the quotes that I picked up from from the combine about you know one defensive coordinator was like we didn't fear them at all. Like there was nothing that they could do that we didn't have answers for. And the flip side is that they didn't have answers for some of the stuff that we were doing and had shown. So they could have prepared and still didn't have answers for it. Uh, That changes with Bill um, because he has, he knows how to call games. He knows how to sequence plays. He knows how to set things up. He knows how to game plan. Do they need an upgrade in talent? Absolutely. We can, you know, we can, that's, you need better players, but I think better coaching allows them to be more competent offensively, where I think for the, by and large, they were incompetent last season. Okay, so Mike, we, we talked a lot about the Patriots rebuilding. You're the football expert, but I want to remind people that you've been around Boston a long time, and you're the most versatile man in Boston sports, Celtics, Bruins. So I'm going to ask you a question that I posed on Twitter last week. Obviously, we know Celtics and Bruins are expected to be in the finals in their respective sports, if not win the title. If you could pick just one, which team would you prefer to win the title later this spring and summer? I would say the Bruins, because I think we're in that period where it is the last roundup mm-hmm. with that group, and I think they've been awesome, and I think they've been, and I, I mean, in terms of like the, the Bergeron, Krejci, like that collection of dudes, there's never been any problems with those dudes. 
you know, they, 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 they're good guys. They're good community people, like the whole thing. Um, they've been close before. Uh, you know, they won one. We feel like they should have won one more at least, and this would be a nice sort of bookend for that and a great way to um, enhance the legacy of those guys, those players. And, and I give Don, Don Sweeney and Cam, who get a lot, you know, got a lot of crap at various points, Deserved. I give them a lot of credit because they put it all. Yeah, and some of it was very much deserved, but they 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 realize what they've got and they've been super aggressive and look they they're throwing around first round picks. So a couple years from now you're gonna be like, hey, geez, you know, like what's happening? Well, remember what they tried to do this year and whether it works or not. I mean, it's surely going to weigh on whether how 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 well or how disappointed you are that they gave up those first round picks but to me it's the right thing to do it's the right thing to do for this group and if it means a few years from now that you're a mediocre hockey team so be it mike giardi of the nfl network joining us here on fitzy and hart on the harbor one hotline mike a pleasure as always good to talk to you take care enjoy your sunday thanks guys hi mike tell joe i said hi i will when we come back, we will react to Mike. And I have a Bruins question I want to ask you, Andy. Um, might make some people angry, but I need to do it anyway. This is Fitzy and Hart, Mark Dunderwin for Fitzy on WEI. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. WEI. We are right back to Fitzy and Hart. Streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All right, back here on Fitzy and Hart. Mark Dondero in for Fitzy. We just spoke to Mike Giardi of the NFL Network, and it was a depressing conversation for me, honestly. It was great to talk to Mike. Great insight. But I just... Mike leaves you depressed sometimes. No, no, no. That's no, what no. he does. It's not his fault. He's right. But I was just hoping... I, I figured he would answer that question about the trajectory of the Patriots the way he did, where my point, Andy, is not that I'm saying right now blow it to smithereens, but if they determine officially that Mac Jones isn't the guy. It's not working with Bill O'Brien. It's not working this year. They're whatever. They're decent. I think that the most direct route back to contention is going to the top of the draft. And you know this stat. How many years between 2001 and 2018 did somebody other than Brady Manning or Roethlisberger in the AFC in terms of quarterbacks get to the Super Bowl? Yep. It's like twice. So it, how are we not in that again with Mahomes, Allen and Joe Burrow, and I didn't even bring up Trevor Lawrence and or Lamar Jackson or Justin or you know. So I don't know. It feels like, like you can't win the Super Bowl Patriots without winning the AFC. That's not going to change. That is a fact. It's a fact. <laughs> so I, I don't know what to do or where to go. If you're not those guys were all top ten picks, those quarterbacks. Yes, you can maybe find a diamond in the rough, Russell Wilson, but it's it's not likely. I don't know where we are, and I'm worried they're just going to be mired in mediocrity. And the Mike's right. The time to do it was post-Brady. Yeah. Never were you going to have a better opportunity for people to give you the benefit of the doubt than that year. And, oh, by the way, Bill also went on the record saying they were resetting their salary cap that year. Remember when he told Charlie Weiss on whatever, Sirius XM, yeah. that salary cap-wise they were cleaning cleaning up the books. Okay, so you lose the greatest of all time. So everybody's going to be like, well, Tom Brady left. Of course you're... 2-14, and 14, and of course you're picking in the top five picks. But now you get what you take, and all of a sudden you start the process. A few years later, 
when you've just been spinning your wheels, spinning your wheels. Ooh, we made the playoffs. Not really. I mean, you did, but you didn't belong. The Bills said, go away, little kid. You're, oh, not, in our, you're not in our class. No. And you missed the playoffs. And I do understand Robert Kraft's perspective. He is voiced. He wants to be, He expects to be a contender every year. You should as an owner. But is it realistic? Can you do that? How do you maintain that? And as a guy who is aging, like I don't want to put his mortality out there and just be like, ah, before he dies, he wants to get a title. But he is aging. He's probably saying, I don't want to go through a two- or three-year rebuild near the end of my tenure as, as owner. So there's a lot of factors in place. But the reality that leaves you at is you're just a middling, mediocre team with a middling, mediocre quarterback, right? The Patriots have the ability. I'm going to spin Bill Belichick's words on him. The Patriots have the ability to compete in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. You win eight games. You might win seven. Oh, you might win nine. That's who you are. But can you win? And you just went down the whole list. First and foremost, you got Patrick Mahomes. You got the new age Patriots in Kansas City. Five straight AFC title games. It goes through Mahomes. It goes through KC. You're not close to sniffing that that stratosphere right now, that landscape. 617-779-7937 if you want to jump in on this. Um, it's just disappointing to me based on where I had hoped they were going to be, you know, three, four years after Tom Brady, especially after what I saw Mac Jones do his rookie year. To have it go as sideways as it went was not only a disaster on the field and from a production standpoint, but you wasted time. You could have had Mac Jones figured out by now, and now I feel like we don't even know for sure what he is. Now with Bill O'Brien in place, we're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to figure it out, and you'd think Bill O'Brien would allow for them to figure it out. But I don't know. And now that brings me to what do we do? So if you're if that's the case, okay, so if that if, if what Mike said was true and what we believe to be true is true and they're never going to bottom out, then I'm going to load up. I'm going to do what I have to do to try to be the Eagles from last year or the 49ers. So for me, that means I'm going to try to get – I'm going to try to get DeAndre Hopkins. Don't want to get – I'm not giving up a one, but a two – I guess I would do that because I have to load up. I'm not blowing it up. I have to load up, and I would draft a wide receiver number one overall, like first round. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. I would do both. That is their biggest week. And the re- I know they have other needs, cornerback, tackle, all those things, like you said. But Bill Belichick has proven to me, at least, that he can do those things. He can find those players later. Shaq Mason, uh, you know, J.C. Jackson, whatever you want to sure. call those. So I have more faith in that than wide receiver. I'm getting, and especially with where the league has gone, I'm getting wide receivers help or wide receiver help for Jones. I'm trying to build up what I have there, even though they have a high payroll at that spot, even though not as much production. That's what I would do. Prioritize receiver and build it out that way. I think it's absolutely feasible. And another aspect of it is I know Mike poo-pooed maybe the spending at tackle and McGlinchey. He's been a popular one. I know Phil Perry's been you know beating on that drum that McGlinchey might make sense for them. But there are tackles out there. If you want to sign a tackle to a $15 million-plus contract, whether it's Orlando Brown, the Taylor guy out of Jacksonville, there's three to four starting big-money tackles. So you can sign that. You can trade your mid-round pick, your second, your third-round pick for Hopkins, and you still have the first pick in the draft, and that is investing in. My theory is very simple. I've come to this, like, it's probably oversimplified. There's two ways to win in the NFL, top five QB or top five roster. Now, if you can kind of marry both together, now you're rolling down the you know road. They don't have a top five QB. We all know that for yep. sure. I think we're all pretty sure he'll never be a top five QB, but right now they absolutely do not have a top five QB. They don't even have close to a top five roster. But at least, as you said, 
You have draft picks. You have money. You can go down that road. And if you throw two assets at receiver, veteran in Hopkins, and we kind of forget they took a receiver in the second round last year. You should get something sure, out of Tyquan Thornton. Yeah, he could be something. Like, hopefully something. Yeah. No, I'm not saying he's going to become Justin Jefferson or your next even Debo Samuel or DK, any of those. No. But if he's pretty good, D-Hop has something left. The second half of last year, he was a great receiver when he came back from suspension. Yeah. And hit on whoever you take in the draft. I'm fine with your plan. At least you're swinging. Yeah. You, you, right? Like, you're gripping it you and you're to. ripping it. You have to. If you're, now, you're, maybe you shank the pick and all of a sudden it's another receiver. Oh, Bill can't. Because you're also right about cornerback. As much as I think it's a massive need, because I just look at the depth chart and say, you don't have anybody. Mm-hmm. In a league where you need a half dozen cornerbacks to make it through a season to compete, they don't have anybody. Jack Jones, we liked what we saw, and then Bill didn't like what he saw because he's suspended. So I don't know what Jack Jones is. Marcus Jones, I actually think, might be better on offense than he is on defense. So you need, but he's done it. He's used a, a fourth-round pick on a, Jack Jones, fourth-round pick on a corner. He might end up playing like some of the Asante Samuel, J.C. Jackson, any of these guys, or even later. So I, I don't hate your plan, but I think you have to be aggressive. I didn't like Mike's tone. You got worked up over the middling team comment. Mm-hmm. I'm more worked up that he brought up value in yeah. the approach to the offseason. No. If you go value, I'm not interested. Because I think you have to be aggressive. I think you need a lot more than value pickups this offseason. You need aggressive, go get a tackle, trade for a receiver, draft somebody. You need aggressive, rebuild the roster. If they're going value, then you might have more empty seats at Gillette. Um, When we get back here, going into hour two, I want to ask you a question about the Bruins. 617-779-7937. It's all on the table. Celtics big game against the Knicks tonight at TD Garden. This is Fitzy and Hart. Mark Dondero in for Fitzy on WEI. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.